We all love to get out on the open road, see the country, feel the wind in our hair. But if you have the same car you've been driving for years, you might not feel so great after a car breakdown, unless you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield is America's most trusted vehicle protection company, and for almost 20 years, they've helped Americans protect their out-of-warranty vehicles. From car and trucks to SUVs, a plan through CarShield can protect up to 5,000 parts and systems and save you big dollars on your engine, transmission, entertainment system, and more. It's as easy as going to carshield.com Shapiro. With plans that include unlimited miles, road trips have never been easier. Plus, you get exclusive access to CarShield's concierge service, as well as 24-7 roadside assistance and help with flat or damaged tires, lockouts, and rental car options. Call CarShield to speak with an expert here in the U.S. that can answer all your questions and get you a free quote in minutes. Don't wait another minute. Visit CarShield now before a breakdown happens and you get stuck with an expensive repair bill. Save 20% and get your free quote by going to carshield.com Shapiro now. That's carshield.com Shapiro to save 20% today. As rioters continue to plague Democratic cities across the country, the media blame Trump and conservatives. The COVID wars grow even stupider and a gap develops between Biden and the Bernie bros. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. All right, so remember that time when the media kept telling us over and over and over that the, the the protests were mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful protesting. Remember that? That was good times, wasn't it? That was fun. I got, there, there was that ABC News headline, one of the best headlines ever over the past 48 hours, quote, protesters in California set fire to a courthouse, damaged a police station, and assaulted officers after a peaceful demonstration intensified. Not kidding. That was the actual headline from ABC <laughs> The peace intensified, intensified. See, normally when, when peacefulness intensifies, and people get more peaceful. But apparently, when peacefulness intensifies, according to ABC News, that's when you set fire to a courthouse, damage a police station, and assault police officers. But it's mostly peaceful, guys. We keep hearing mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful. And there's a stark divide between the protesters and the rioters and the looters. Now, I'm willing to hear that stark divide. Obviously, if you're rioting and you're looting, you're doing something criminal. If you're protesting, then you're not. That is the stark divide for me. There is, however, a problem, and that is that the media sympathize with the rioters and the looters. And as it turns out, so do many members of the protest movement, according to the New York Times today. And remember, we were told the protesters were super peaceful. They, they had no intent on doing violence. They didn't even have sympathy for violence, right? They were against the violence. They recognized that violence was a bad idea. Well, not so much. Now, some of you knew this. My friend Ami Horowitz, he's reported from on the ground at these riots and, and at the protests. And he said he couldn't find anybody who actually condemned the rioting and the looting from the protests. So the sort of stark divide, at least ideologically, not in terms of behavior, but ideologically between the protesters and the rioters and looters basically has not existed since the early days of the BLM protests, which have now morphed into Antifa protests. Well, according to the New York Times, they're now confirming what Ami reported on my radio show. They say peaceful protesters with, quote, room for rage, sympathize with aggressive tactics. Minutes before midnight on Sunday, the first firework of the evening screeched low over the heads of protesters gathered in Portland, Oregon, sprinkling them with white flecks of light and ricocheting into the courthouse that has become a symbol of an unwelcome federal incursion into a local outcry over police brutality. Now, I love, first of all, how the New York Times immediately posits that the only reason they're attacking the courthouse is because of the federal incursion. Now, that completely reverses the timeline. Remember, the feds did not arrive until they attacked the courthouse. But the way the New York Times reports this, if you were an alien from outer space, and you arrived and you read just that paragraph, you would assume that the feds arrived and then the attacks began. The New York Times says some ducked under makeshift shields to protect themselves from the falling sparks, while others cheered at the sight of the blazing projectile hurtling toward the courthouse and the federal law enforcement agents inside. This is what democracy looks like. Okay, that's not what democracy looks like. Typically speaking, when you think of democracy, you don't think of people firing projectiles at law enforcement agents. That, that one, it isn't high on the list of democratic activities is to actually engage in anti-civilization violence. Typically, that's not high on the list of, of democratic agenda items. In recent weeks, says the New York Times, protesters in Portland have pointed laser beams, lobbed water bottles and trash bags, and in one case, according to the Portland Police Bureau, hurled an open pocket knife at the officers guarding the courthouse. They've used power tools, crowbars, and bolt cutters to yank down a fence. In Seattle, Demonstrators over the weekend set fire to several construction trailers at a youth detention facility. Protests in Richmond, Virginia, L.A., and Oakland were also marked by fires. Yet the nightly assault on the federal courthouse has been part of a much wider peaceful resistance. Ah, so much peace. Peacefulness intensifying across the nation. Again, I'm just going to point out here, if there had been one firework shot at police officers during the Tea Party movement, 
would have been the end of the world. They were called terrorists by members of the Obama administration as it was. They were called the Tea Party terrorists by members of the Obama administration and members of the media. If the anti-lockdown protesters had so much as sneezed at the, at the officers who were trying to stop them from breaking the law, that would have been an assault. They would have been charged, right? I mean, the media would have said that the anti-lockdown protesters were the worst people in the world. They, they did, by the way, anyway, without them actually overtly breaking the law. Here you have people overtly breaking the law. But don't worry, this is part of a much wider peaceful resistance. High school students, military veterans, off-duty lawyers, lines of mothers who call themselves the Wall of Moms that began assembling nearly two months ago in the wake of George Floyd's death at the hands of Minneapolis police. The aim, as it has been in other cities, was to assemble for sweeping police reform and racial justice. No, that, that's not the aim. The aim is, frankly, for a lot of these people, it's a good time. Seriously, you, can, you cannot watch footage of these protests and not come away with the conclusion these are not people attempting to actually effectuate change. These are folks who are having a good time. We're in the middle of a lockdown. We've basically been told that you can't do anything. You can't go to church. Not that a lot of these folks are going to church. You can't go out to a bar. You can't go to a concert. In fact, there was a concert in New York last night, and Andrew Cuomo was very angry at the concert. Sadly, no one thought to bring a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, or it all would have been fine. The only thing you are allowed to do in today's society, in public, with others, is overtly resist law enforcement and or have dance parties in the thousands in the middle of the streets. So this has basically become the outlet for a bored and angry country. For, for a lot of people. And that doesn't mean everybody isn't genuine. It does mean there are a lot of people who are not genuine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I think that everybody who is firing projectiles at police officers is looking for quote-unquote systemic change as opposed to just being a jerk, having a good time at two o'clock in the morning. The raucous escalation in recent days brought about by the deployment of federal law enforcement officers and the harsh tactics they've used against protesters has prompted new debates among the protesters over their own tactics and goals. Now battling nightly rounds of pepper spray and impact munitions fired by federal forces, some activists worry that the nightly clashes are distracting from their demands for defunding or reforming local police departments. Yeah, you think? It turns out that when you fire crap at police officers, people are less sympathetic to the perspective that we don't need police officers. To see people standing in Portland destroying property was not actually doing the work of advocating for black people. It was disturbing, said Rachel Dixon, the vice president of the Multnomah County Democrats organizer in the black community. I think they're a distraction from the everyday needs of people of color, especially black people. My life is not going to improve because you broke the glass at the Louis Vuitton store. Well, that, of course, is true. But there's only one problem. A huge percentage, according to this article, of people who are engaged in the protests actually have a lot of sympathy for the people who are engaging in more aggressive tactics. Apparently, there, there are a lot of people who are, who are kind of happy with this. I mean, that's the headline of the piece. Kat Brooks, racial justice organizer in Oakland. I don't know how you even apply for that job. And the co-founder of the Anti-Police Terror Project said Black Lives Matter protests and the movement to oust federal forces from cities were one connected struggle. The debate among organizers, she said, is the tactics that protesters should use. Her own view is that protesters cannot be blamed for forcefully responding when confronted with rubber bullets and pepper spray, as they have been in Portland. I don't consider property destruction violence, she said. Violence is when you attack a person or another living, breathing creature on this planet. Windows don't cry and they can't die. Okay, first of all, the idea that property damage does not amount to a form of violence is insane. Okay, it's patently insane. If I come to your house and I burn it down, I have done an act of violence against you. I have. And if you don't believe me, then I'll come to your house and I'll burn it down. I mean, like, this is crazy. If somebody went to this lady's apartment and just broke in and trashed the place, would you be like, you know what? This wasn't an act of violence. I mean, no one was hurt after all. This is all fine. It's all fine. Not a big deal advocating for systemic change. Organizers in Oakland, which has a long tradition of loud protests, are watching closely whether federal forces will be deployed there. If the feds come to Oakland, it's going to make Portland look like Disneyland. She said Miss Brooks. She rejected the notion put forward by Mayor Libby Schaff of Oakland that violence and property destruction reinforced Trump's message that anarchists were taking over the country's streets. She says, we could sit there and sing Kumbaya and suck lollipops between now and November, but if Donald Trump thinks it makes sense to hit Oakland and Detroit and some of the other cities with large black populations, then that's what Donald Trump is going to do. So a lot of sympathy among the protesters for people who are engaging in violence. And it's important to recognize this because that is what federal law enforcement and local law enforcement are actually facing down. They're not facing down protesters. These protests have been going on for months. It did not escalate to people firing pepper balls at people unless the people who were having the pepper balls fired at them were engaged in violation of law. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about having good clothes. Now, I know you probably have a lot of clothes in that dresser right now. I know you, you just picked up that, that kind of random t-shirt at that family event, and you're still wearing that around, and you look terrible. Let's be frank about this. What you need is a great piece of clothing. This is why you need Cuts clothing. Cuts has completely changed the game. Their t-shirt has enough quality and style to wear in the office or a date or anywhere in between. You don't have to choose between a classic look and a modern feel. In 2016, 
Stephen Borelli was struggling to find the perfect t-shirt. He wanted something that had enough quality to be worn professionally at work, yet also enough style for a night out. No matter where he looked, nothing fit the bill, so he took matters into his own hand. The result was a product you could be proud to wear anytime, anywhere without sacrificing comfort. I know because I wear cut t-shirts all the time. They are supremely comfortable and they look fantastic. Fit, fabric, and function, it's the only shirt worth wearing. Athletic, tailored-looking fit. It's perfect for work, a date, everything in between. It's pre-shrunk, wrinkle-free, retains its shape over time. They're custom-engineered. Pika Pro Fabric can only be described as buttery. It really is soft. I mean, it is soft on the skin. It is really comfortable, and it looks fantastic. That's why Cuts is the only shirt worth wearing. It is loved by your favorite athletes, entrepreneurs, even podcast hosts like moi. It seems like everyone is wearing Cuts these days. Get 15% off your first order by going to CutsClothing.com slash Shapiro. That's Cuts, C-U-T-S, Clothing.com slash Shapiro for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. CutsClothing.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so more federal agents have been dispatched to Portland as protests are increasing, according to the Washington Post. The Trump administration is sending more federal agents to Portland. The U.S. Marshal Service decided last week to send more deputies, according to an internal email reviewed by the Washington Post, with personnel beginning to arrive last Thursday night. The Department of Homeland Security is also considering a plan to send an additional 50 U.S. Customs and Border Protection personnel to the city, according to a senior administration official involved in the federal response. This would mark a significant expansion of the federal force operating at the Portland Federal Courthouse. There were 114 agents there in mid-July. It's unclear how many existing personnel could be sent home after the arrival of 100 reinforcements. This, by the, Anybody treating this as completely out of bounds is just ignoring the realities on the ground. But that's exactly what is happening. One U.S. attorney for Oregon is ripping Portland officials over the handling of the riots. U.S. Attorney Billy Williams, he urged Portland residents to demand action from local officials. He's saying, listen, the only reason the feds are even here is because the local officials refuse to do anything about this, which suggests that they have some sympathy for the violence because they think the violence is going to actually effectuate change. From my standpoint, it's it's nonsensical. It's just political theater. Um, it's unfortunate because everything law enforcement accomplishes to address on multiple fronts is done through partnerships. To pass the resolution that you're barred from talking with law enforcement partners is, it's just political. And that's just so unfortunate, short-sighted. It, it's, it's, um, it, it doesn't help anything, um, but you know, it is what it is. That, of course, is absolutely right. But what you're seeing from local officials is open admiration for people who are engaged in violence. Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin, who's just awful. I mean, she's just an awful mayor. She allowed city blocks of her own city to be ripped away from law and order and dominated by people who really can be described as terrorists. I mean, if you take over a two-block area of downtown and then there are shootings that take place therein and the first responders are not allowed to come in, I don't know what else to describe that as. I mean, that's insurrection. Okay, the Seattle mayor, however, says that by President Trump deploying federal law enforcement to protect federal property. It's a dry run for martial law. Now, if you're suggesting it's a dry run for martial law, what you really are suggesting is that violent uprisings against a dry run for martial law are justified. How else do you read that? Right? This is just justification for violence by the Seattle mayor who has tolerated violence in her own city and has tolerated the degradation of her own law and order in her own city. Here's Mayor Jenny Durkin, just a trash heap of a mayor. Every time this president promises to sow division, he's successful at it. And he has, he's clearly targeted cities run by Democratic mayors. He said so himself. He's using law enforcement as a political tool. I hate to say it, Aaron, but I really believe that we are seeing the dry run for martial law. This is a president that is using law enforcement and federal forces for political purposes. And that should be chilling to every American. It's a dry run for martial law. She's absolutely suggesting that the president of the United States is going to use federal force to overwhelm all resistance to his own agenda. That's what she's suggesting. Martial law, by the way, these are the same folks who suggest that President Trump should put down a national mask mandate enforceable by federal law enforcement. It's very funny to watch all the same people who claim that Trump is a fascist asking him to be a fascist. It's really exciting. But that's pretty crazy stuff. And that is the mayor of a major democratic city, which suggests, again, if you are resisting a dry run for martial law, this makes you the good guys. If you're burning property and burning Starbucks and all this, this makes you the best. This makes you actually positive. It's a good thing. We'll get to more of this in just a second because the media, some of the media are just cheering this on. You can tell by their guest selection. Wait until you see one guest on MSNBC making some pretty wild claims about why this violence is happening in major cities. We'll get to that in a moment. First, let's talk about the fact that there's an enormous amount of censorship that goes on on social media sites, like an enormous amount. They have an enormous amount of control over what you can see and what you can hear. Today, as we're going to talk about in a little while, they actually banned Donald Trump Jr. from Twitter 
for the great crime of tweeting out a video on hydroxychloroquine that most medical experts think is wrong. They, they, they really can control your informational flow. Well, you can help stop that by disguising your IP address, hiding your IP address. This is where ExpressVPN comes in. First of all, all of these social media sites, the way they make money is by gathering data on you and then selling it to third-party vendors. You don't need to give them your data. When you use ExpressVPN, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN couldn't be easier to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer and you're now protected. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and internet bad guys. It's time to say no to censorship and to shortening the ability to actually see what you want to see. Take back your online privacy at expressvpn.com slash Ben. By visiting my special link, you get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to protect your data today. They're great, and they'll make sure that you are protected from hackers, from social media, from all the like. expressvpn.com slash Ben. Get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Okay, so Rahm Emanuel, former Chicago mayor, He's, of course, blaming the federal government. He's saying that the real problem here is that people are conflating the protesters and the rioters and the looters, except that the rioters and the looters are among the protesters, and the protesters, many of them, are expressing open sympathy for the rioters and the looters, and so are members of the media. So there's this inside-outside game that's being played here by Democrats. How dare you lump together these people? And we're like, okay, I don't want to lump together those people. And then the media's like, yeah, but they're the same. So why are you ripping rioters and looters? The most... The most beloved tactic these days is the so-called Mott and Bailey tactic of argumentation, where you make an extraordinarily extreme claim, somebody attacks the extraordinarily extreme claim, and then you basically, you, you basically run away, right? You, you go into retreat up into an argument that is less attackable. So you see this with Black Lives Matter. Somebody says, you know, Black Lives Matter means defund the police. You're like, defunding the police is a terrible idea. It's going to hurt black people. They say, well, you, what, what I really meant is that Black Lives Matter, you don't believe Black Lives Matter? That's a Mott and Bailey tactic. It's named after the old sort of medieval fortresses where you'd have a town, right? That was the, the Mott down at the bottom of a hill. And then if that was attacked, everybody would retreat up the hill to the Bailey, which was the, which was the central castle, right? This is what you're seeing over and over. You're seeing this with regard to the rioters and the looters as well. People will say the rioters and the looters, right? I mean, they're, just, they're justified because, I mean, martial law is on the horizon. You're like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I mean, why are you justifying rioting and looting? Like, how dare you conflate rioting and looting with protesting? Like, I didn't, I never did that. And here's Rahm Emanuel doing that routine. There are people trying to hijack these legitimate protesters and create violence. And I think in the response from the federal government shouldn't be trying to make Antifa the face of the protest. Let the local law enforcement take the lead. If they need federal assistance, they'll ask for it, like we've done in every other situation going back. And in this situation, understand the protesters who are asking America to live up to the promise of America and know that others, individuals, not a lot, but are trying to hijack these protests for their own violent needs. Okay, so that is, um, that's good stuff here. Also good stuff, an activist named Erica was on MSNBC, featured on MSNBC, your, your source for all left-wing news and suggested openly, this activist, that what's actually happening in major cities is that violence is rising, not because the police are absent. Violence is rising because the federal government is shipping guns into inner cities in order to create violence. This was featured on MSNBC in a segment called America in Crisis. Racial injustice protests across U.S. spur police clashes. Again, notice even in that Chiron, the conflation between protests and violence, right? Racial injustice protests spur police clashes. It's the police who are responding to just Normal protests for racial injustice, against racial injustice. It's amazing stuff. Here's this activist suggesting something absolutely nuts to virtually no pushback by the MSNBC hosts. We see the influx of guns in communities across the nation. Once again, people were in the house for three months. They lost their jobs, lost their family members. They was grieving. They don't have money to buy these guns. Where are they coming from? And so just like in the 70s and the 80s, when we saw the counterintelligence program put guns and drugs into certain communities to create certain behaviors to stop the rise of, of protests and, and movements. We see it again. Okay, this is absolutely bizarre nonsense. And there's no pushback on MSNBC, so far as I can tell, to, to any of this. There's this, this just an activist, right? Spouting activism. Yeah, things are going really well in the country, it seems. Well, I think that the only way that the country can truly heal is if HBO has itself a, a really important session I got a really important, uh, an important talk. So HBO has now finally given a voice to left-wing voices. HBO, that notoriously right-wing outlet, they finally opened up a space for left-wingers to talk. HBO Sports 
is now going to air Seeing America with Megan Rapinoe on August 1st, showing a conversation between the U.S. women's soccer team captain, Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, famous sports person, 1619 Project founder and Pulitzer Prize winner Nicole Hannah-Jones and great fiction writer, also famous sports person and comedian and television host Hassan Minhaj, also amazing, amazing sports person. So I'm so glad that HBO Sports is going to air a conversation between Megan Rapinoe, who's most fa- mostly famous for complaining about how America sucks while making millions of dollars complaining about how America sucks. The Colin Kaepernick of, of soccer over here. AOC, who, of course, is, is famous as a sports commentator. Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is famous for just making up American history. And Hassan Minhaj, who is a comedian and TV host. Peter Nelson, executive vice president of HBO Sports, I quote, We are grateful Megan Rapinoe would choose HBO as home for this conversation and look forward to more opportunities with her to continue this dialogue. Megan is fearless in speaking out on issues. Joined by Representative AOC, Nicole Hannah-Jones, and Hassan Minhaj, this this conversation embraces the challenges we collectively face. So basically, it is a Bill Maher panel without Bill Maher, is, is what we are seeing right here. In the trailer, Rapinoe says, I'm a gay female athlete. I can't ever just be one thing because she's intersectionality. Intersectionality, she can't ever just, well, she can. She can just be a social justice warrior. That's what she is. Hannah Jones says she views the upcoming election as, quote, the first election where we are actually voting for our lives. Okay, God, this person, Nicole Hannah Jones, is just, the fact that they made her de facto editor of the New York Times bespeaks the fact that the New York Times is a flaming bag of human feces at this point. It is just, (laughs) this is the first election where black people are actually voting for their lives. Truly? Truly, is it? For a, for a pseudo-historian, she should know a little bit about American history. It seems like there have been a lot more risky times to be a black person in America than 2020, the first election where we're actually voting for our lives. Rapineau, according to Mediaite, who led her team to victory during the 2019 World Cup, has consistently dedicated herself to activism and human rights issues. It's an honor to host a show where a critical conversation between some of America's most innovative thought leaders. I'm so thankful to HBO for providing such a powerful platform. So much powerful platforming for an entire... I look forward to a conversation in which one person says something and then a bunch of other people kneel, uh, not along. It'll be very, very exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. It is interesting to note how liberals and have... have liberals have a choice to make. I've been talking about this for, for a few weeks now. Liberals have a choice to make in our culture. Choice number one is they can fight back against the radical left and they can join forces with people in the middle And they can recognize that while they may agree with the radical left on some policy prescriptions, they actually agree more with the middle and maybe even some on the right about the rights that we all have and how the country should basically be rooted in notions of rights. Or they can cave to the radical left. And you can see who's choosing which way. In Hollywood, everybody is moving to the woke left very, very quickly. Octavia Spencer, the actress, she now says that the only way that people should play disabled people is if they are actually disabled. So acting is out the window, according to Octavia Spencer. That's exciting stuff. Here's Octavia Spencer yesterday. Nothing can replace lived experience and authentic representation. That's why it's imperative that we cast the appropriate actor for the appropriate role. And that means people with disabilities as well. Casting able-bodied actors in roles for characters with disabilities is offensive unjust, and deprives an entire community of people from opportunities. You know it's true because there's a lot of piano music in the background. That's how you always know these videos are true online is when there's somebody in the background who's playing intense piano music. It's real, But the intense piano music never has a left hand. It's really just the right hand up near the upper register of the keys. Uh, you gotta love actresses coming out and saying that acting is now wrong. So the woke left on the march. Also, you've seen how the ACLU has turned. Remember that time the ACLU used to defend sort of the liberal notion of rights, the KKK? The, the, she did, by the way, play somebody with, with schizophrenia, is my understanding, Octavia, Octavia Spencer. I, I don't think she suffers from schizophrenia. Anyway, an ACLU staff attorney was tweeting out in the same vein. So ACLU used to be kind of traditionally liberal. Right? The ACLU was an organization that said, we may not agree with what you say, but we definitely will defend your right to say it. Well, now they've decided, nope, we're caving to the radical left as well. The culture wars really are not happening on the right as much as they are happening between the left and the liberals. It looks like increasingly the liberals are losing. But what, what's happening there is that means it's driving everybody in the center to the right. Now, the question is whether Trump could take advantage of that electorally. That's another question. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about something fantastic you can do for your kids during this pandemic. I mean, the fact is that 
if you have little kids at home, you know they are super bored right now and you got to keep them entertained somehow. But instead of just popping on the TV and letting the TV be the babysitter, why not get them educated? Why not read them books? And you're thinking, but how do I pick which books should come? How do I make that selection? This is where Literati comes in. This service is just phenomenal. I have a six-year-old, I have a four-year-old, and I have a tiny little baby and she's super cute. Literati will do stuff for all of them. Literati is the subscription book club that makes it easy to find unique, thought-provoking books for your kids by delivering great stories straight to your doorstep. Literati knows home deliveries are critical for meeting your need for uplifting educational tools in the coming weeks. Reading books together will help create a time of adventure and bonding for your family and has real educational benefits. Kids who read books have better vocabularies and longer attention spans. Each Literati box contains five beautiful books based on a theme, contains exclusive original art, and a personalized note to your kid. My daughter loves the books that Literati sent her. My son too. Like these are their favorite books that we have in the house. And we have probably hundreds of books in the house. Literati does an amazing job of selecting really fascinating books tailored to your kid. You only keep your favorites and you send the rest back for free. That means you're only paying for the books your kids will love. With schools and libraries closed, Literati is working to get books in the hands of families. You can reuse that Literati box and donate outgrown books. Literati will match every one you send. For a limited time, go to literati.com slash Shapiro. You get 25% off your first two orders, which is an awesome deal. Honestly, it's so it's such a great service for your kids. Go check it out right now. Literati.com slash Shapiro. 25% off your first two orders. L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I.com slash Shapiro. Literati.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Okay, so the... The ACLU has decided to embrace the radical left as well. There's a ACLU staff attorney named Chase Strangio. Chase Strangio. And Chase Strangio has basically decided that the ACLU's old slogan of say what you want, if it falls inside the First Amendment, we'll defend your right to say it. They've moved from that to if you say something we don't like, it's now a danger, a danger. Chase Strangio is a staff attorney for the ACLU. Says it would be nice to ignore the Harry Potter, Harry Potter person, would be J.K. Rowling, but the rhetoric being used on her massive platform is feeding a genocidal impulse that already exists in government and within individuals. She is dangerous, situating the trans subject and the trans body in the contested discursive space. The way she does pulls the conversation around transness into the posture of working to locate the legitimate trans subject. Okay, that's just, that's just gobbledygook. That's not even in English. The idea being that we must defend against the allegation that too many trans people in the world reflects a problem. That is, after all, her point. And in so doing, we cede the conversation to cis people and institutions. And perhaps most insidiously in doing so, we give the false impression that sexed bodies are things only trans people have. By obscuring the larger structural impulses behind bodily policing and the violence of the sex binary, we ensure the continuation of these structures. Ah, the violence of the sex binary, guys. The fear that a trans person of any age might actually love and embrace their body is what drives JK and others. They don't want to just make it harder for us to survive. They want to destroy any joy we might feel in our journeys. Okay, this is the ACLU staff attorney now saying that J.K. Rowling is dangerous and is pushing genocidal impulses by pointing out that biological women exist. Okay, liberals are going to have to make a choice. Do they wish to side with this kind of nuttiness or do they wish to acknowledge that conversations should and can take place? And this is an open debate because what we're seeing right now in America's major cities is that liberals are increasingly saying, okay, if you want to do violence, do violence. All right, well, and if anybody says that the violence is bad, stop focusing on the violence. Why are you even focusing on the violence? Well, what this is driving rational people to do is run headlong from the radical left, like run screaming from the radical left. This is why you're seeing Elon Musk increasingly tweet things that are pissing off the radical left. Yesterday, he tweeted out a graphic, said Das Kapital in a nutshell, Karl Marx's book. There's a picture of Karl Marx and said, give me that for free, hungry Santa. <laughs> Good for Elon Musk. Good for Elon Musk, a man who's actually built a company, as opposed to all these people who just want to steal other people's labor. Okay, but this is going to be the gap that opens up. You're starting to see it open up a little bit inside the Democratic Party as well. And this is the gap that Joe Biden is going to have to bridge over. So far, anti-Trumpness has basically bridged over the gap between radical left and liberals who may not like the radical left very much. It'll be interesting to see whether that lasts. So yesterday, the DNC platform committee voted down Medicare for all as part of the platform. They did it overwhelmingly. And people were very angry in Bernie land. There was Dennis McDonough, co-chair of the Biden campaign, voting against Medicare for all as part of the platform. Members, voting on this, voting has closed on this amendment. The motion was not approved by the members and the language as proposed will remain unchanged. There were 36 yes, 125 no, and three abstentions. That's on amendment 328. One, nine, four. Okay, so the Bernie people are super duper pissed because the Bernie people are saying, why don't you give us everything we want? And the Biden people are like, because if we do that, nobody will like us. 
that is a battle that is going to rage out into the open. It started to break out a little bit yesterday when a Sanders campaign co-chair named Nina Turner ripped Biden. She actually suggested, this is a direct quote, it's like saying to somebody about choosing between Biden and Trump, quote, it's like saying to somebody, you have a bowl of bleep in front of you and all you've got to do is eat half of it instead of the whole thing. It's still bleep, bleep being the S word. So this is going to be a problem that, that does eventually rip open the Democratic Party. The question is whether Trump can exploit it. And this is why Trump needs to be very focused in the way he campaigns. And I know there are a lot of people out there who just think all the polls are wrong and that everything is hunky dory. Let me just tell you something. People inside the Trump administration, inside the Trump campaign, they understand that the polls aren't all fake. They do. They get that Trump is not in good shape electorally right now. And they understand that Trump has to be a lot more focused in how he has approached this campaign so far. There is a gap emerging in the Democratic Party. It is a gap between the radical left and the old school liberals. But that's been glossed over again by anti-Trumpness. You can see that gap starting to expose itself with regard to the violence and protests in the cities. You can see it starting to expose itself in terms of the cancel culture where members of the traditional liberal left are looking at their radical left compatriots and going, you guys are kind of fascist, aren't you? Okay, that is a gap that a, a professional politician who is good at this could rip wide open. And that's what Trump should be doing. That requires two things. One, him to focus completely on ripping open that seam because it's very important for the country that seam be ripped open. The radical left needs to be excised. They need to be excised. Anybody who claims that violence is a solution to political problems needs to be excised from the conversation. That does not mean, obviously, not violence or anything. I'm explicitly denouncing violence for those in media matters who don't understand English. When I say excised, I mean there is an Overton window. If you are claiming that attacks on federal law enforcement are part of that Overton window, you're doing it wrong. The liberals need to take back over the Democratic Party. And Trump can help that happen. And if the Democratic Party keeps caving to the radical left, maybe traditional liberals might think about moving away from a Democratic Party that no longer represents them. I know a lot of traditional liberals who are looking in horror at what's happening right now. Trump, if he's skillful, can exploit that. And he should exploit that. That requires two things, focus and not providing the Democrats with a shiny object, namely, namely Trump, to gather around an attack. We're going to get to that in a second because that brings us to COVID policy. We'll get to that momentarily first. Let's talk about the fact that it would be wonderful if you never had to go to the post office again. I mean, the post office does a lot of great stuff, but do you really want to go to the post office? Probably not. I mean, you stand in line and then it takes a while. You got to schlep your stuff over there. And especially in COVID era, it really is not like a thing. So why not instead just do everything from home? As we adjust to the new normal, we need to be smart about how we do business. Luckily, there's stamps.com to make things easier. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office all from their own computers. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand, avoid going to the post office. You'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Here at Daily Wire, we've been using Stamps.com since 2017. We don't waste our time. We don't waste our money, which is why we are a profitable enterprise. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need directly to your computer in the comfort of your home or office. Whether you are a small business sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products, or you're just working from home and you need to mail some stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. You use your computer and you print official U.S. postage 24-7, any letter, any, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it, and giant discounts as well right now. My listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale, no long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro, that is stamps.com, enter Shapiro, and you get that special offer, four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitment. Save yourself and your business tons of money and time, stamps.com, and use that code Shapiro. All righty. So, folks, if you haven't heard by now, my new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, it is officially on sale. It has sold... I believe, last count, nearly 100,000 copies in the first week. We've been seeing amazing enthusiasm from you guys. We are really excited about its release. We did a live signing last Tuesday. Got to tell you, we almost sold out. So I'm signing copies of my books today and uh, tomorrow. Before I get Carpal Tunnel, then it's over because I've signed literally tens of thousands of copies at this point. So get in your order right now because otherwise it's just not going to happen for you. Go get your copy right now at dailywire.com slash Ben. The book covers the two fundamentally different visions of America that are now being exposed in public view. One vision says America should hold together because we have a common philosophy, the Declaration of Independence, a common culture, a common history. The other says that America basically sucks. It was always based on a lie. The 1619 Project, Robin DiAngelo. These are disintegrationists. Okay, that is the battle of our time. The book isn't just a rebuttal to a lot of those bad disintegrationist arguments. It is the antidote to that. You can give it to your liberal friends and point out to them that you actually have a lot in common with them and we should be able to unify around a lot of these concepts. That is how the country gets saved. How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. You can go pick it up right now at dailywire.com slash Ben, and you can pick up a signed copy. 
because it's, I'm, I'm not going to keep signing. I mean, it's just, that that's the deal. Meanwhile, 2020, you might have noticed, this year is crazy. And the media are just lying all the time, which is why you need all access to our Reader's Pass at Daily Wire. If you're a political junkie, get a Reader's Pass today from dailywire.com. You will get access to exclusive op-eds from us, your podcast hosts, as well as guest writers, in-depth analysis from our Daily Wire reporters on top of our regular breaking news. This membership tier is already a bargain. It's three bucks a month. If you join today, you get your first month for 99 cents. You also get access to our mobile app and you receive push notifications for breaking news and special content. And you can join the community of Daily Wire members who are commenting and discussing our content with each other. It is a pretty cool community. That is mobile, ad-free access to all of the Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, all of our podcasts on our mobile app, all for the low price of $1. Best of all, your dollars are getting you the news you need without the left to spin. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and join today. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty, so as I've been talking about here, there is a gap that's emerging between the radical left and the liberals. And the radical left, I, I will say, they are acting a little bit more tepid than they were just a few weeks ago. Take as an example Nicole Hannah-Jones, right? Fresh off her Pulitzer Prize-winning essay that was so bad, four other Pulitzer Prize-winning historians called it bad, and then she won a Pulitzer for it. In, the, in true New York Times Walter Durante fashion. Today, she tweeted out that the 1619 Project, right, which, which openly posited that the actual origin of the country was not 1776, it was 1619, that every structure in America was designed in order to effectuate slavery and racism. I mean, this is what the 1619 Project openly says. Now she is saying, oh, she's, the revisionist historian is now revising the history of her own revisionist history project. She says, it's no longer a history. And she tweeted this out yesterday. She says, it wasn't meant to be a historic project. It was a journalistic enterprise. Okay, sure. Now she says, quote, I've said consistently the 1619 Project is an origin story, not the origin story. Our intro says explicitly, what would it mean to consider 1619 our founding? Not that it is our founding. Uh, is that what it says? Because the original language of the 1619 Project, which apparently is no longer available online, but I remember it because I quoted it in my book. They said that 1619 was, quote, our true founding. They stated, quote, on the 400th anniversary of this fateful moment, it is finally time to tell our story truthfully. It was not meant as a sort of balancer or corrective to whitewashed history. Not even close. It was meant as a replacement. But now you're starting to see Nicole Hannah-Jones walk back her own project and say, oh, it was just meant to be kind of a critique. It wasn't meant to be like an alternative history. doesn't matter that the very first page of the 1619 Project declares, quote, it is finally time to tell our story truthfully. By reframing American history, treating 1619 as our nation's birth year and placing slavery at the very center of our national narrative. So, you know, she's walking it back a little bit because it turns out that all of the sort of radicalism of the Robin DiAngelo's, even members of the liberal literati are beginning to say, well, I'm not so into this. Now, Trump could exploit that, right? Because the radical left has gone off the rails. Trump could push on this particular scene, and it would be important to do that. In order for that to happen, he has to not make boo-boos on COVID. So over the past week and a half, the president of the United States, there, there's one issue at the forefront of everybody's mind. That's when, when the hell can we get back to anything remotely resembling normal, right? That, that is the big question right now as states consider additional lockdowns. Now, again, what the data show is that we are already seeing a flattening in Texas, in Florida, in Arizona. Hospitalizations are going down. ICUs are going down. We saw the curve. The curve went up and now the curve is coming back down. And that was happening before, quote unquote, additional lockdowns, which is good, which is good. And frankly, I'm very curious to see what happens in New York as New York continues to reopen. Because if New York reopens and we do not actually see a second wave, we don't see a second spike, what that would suggest is that herd immunity doesn't kick in at 60 or 70%. Thanks to T-cell immunity, it actually kicks in a lot lower, right? That would be like the best of all scenarios is that once it runs through a community, that's it. Like you're basically done. That'd be, you know, my mouth to God's ears. We don't know that yet, right? There's a lot of scientific controversy over T-cell resistance and T-cell immunity, but that would be great. But bottom line is what we're seeing in the Sun Belt, for example, is a receding of the cases. And we never saw death levels like the death levels that we saw in New York. So over the last week and a half, the president has become or had until the last 24 hours, a lot more, I would say, studied and focused on the uh, on the COVID issue. He just didn't seem as wild. And that was good. Right? So he gave his typical daily presser yesterday. And he sounded pretty good, right? Here was President Trump yesterday encouraging people to wear masks and socially distance, which has been sort of the going scientific advice for the last several months. I trust all Americans to do the right thing, but we strongly advise everyone to especially, especially focus on maintaining a social distance, maintaining rigorous hygiene, avoid large gatherings and crowded indoor bars, 
and wear masks when appropriate. We also strongly urge citizens to take extra precautions to shield those at highest risk, which are, in most cases, in many cases, the elderly. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's what he should be saying. There's new evidence out today, according to The Wall Street Journal, that says that face masks are still fairly useful. Robert Redfield, director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, said he believes the pandemic could be brought under control over the next four to eight weeks if we could get everybody to wear a mask right now. Apparently, it has like a very small impact on the transmission of COVID in small numbers. But the more people wear masks, the more the curve is is really brought down because fewer and fewer people, like it, it reduces your risk of, of transmitting COVID by like 30 or 40% was what I had seen in the studies. But if everybody does that, then it reduces it by a very, very large percentage. There's a newly published study suggesting that universal use of surgical masks helps reduce rates of confirmed coronavirus infections among healthcare workers at Mass General Brigham Healthcare Systems in Massachusetts. Redfield's comments are the clearest message yet from the CDC that they that they are pushing the mask wearing. The CDC currently recommends the use of cloth face coverings in public. Several states have made the coverings a requirement for most people in wide-ranging public situations. An analysis published Sunday in the BMJ, a medical journal, found face coverings are now recommended or mandated in 160 countries to reduce coronavirus transmission. Apparently, according to researchers, they say that a, a homemade face mask will, will radically reduce the amount of time that, that the virus is in the air, which is, which is good, right? And then it reduces the amount of distance traveled when you breathe. It reduces it from up to apparently 100 inches, if you have an uncovered face, to, uh, if you have like a, a stitched mask, nearly zero. In other words, it goes like a little bit beyond your mask, but not much further than that. So all of that is good, right? It, I've never understood the perspective that says that we want the economy to reopen, therefore nobody wear masks. If you want the economy to, re- to reopen, you, you should wear a mask. I mean, that is the best way you can get back to work. And I'm back at work. That's because everybody around me is wearing a mask. And when I'm not on the camera, I'm wearing a mask too. And it seems to me that the easiest way for us to get back to work is to be safe because you know what would happen if there was a COVID outbreak? People would go home again. So what you actually want is to reduce the transmission. So Trump is saying that too. Also, Trump is now pushing on the vaccine button, which is good, right? Operation Warp Speed is continuing. We've now moved to phase three in certain vaccine trials. Here's the president talking about this yesterday. A groundbreaking agreement with Pfizer includes a guarantee to deliver 100 million doses shortly after the vaccine's approval, almost immediately, with the option to purchase an additional 500 million thereafter. Not only is Operation Warp Speed accelerating the development of a vaccine, we're also directing a colossal industrial mobilization to ensure its rapid delivery. Nothing's happened like this since the end of World War II. Okay, and he's not wrong about this, right? All of this is good, right? This is a more concerted Trump. This is what you want to see. Anthony Fauci, right? Yesterday, he was out there celebrating a, a stage three progression for the vaccine. He's saying this is very good news. The virus was first put on a public database, the sequence, early on in January. So to go from not even knowing what the virus was in early January to a phase three trial is really record time. And I might add, it was not done compromising safety, nor was it done compromising scientific integrity. I can't guarantee you the success of the vaccine because only a clinical trial will determine that. But I can virtually guarantee you that this has got off to a good start and we will get this trial completed. Okay, so all of this is positive news, obviously. Now, where the Democrats prefer to put their focus is on chaos inside the administration, which is why, again, if Trump wants to exacerbate the scene between radical left and and the liberals, which is good for the country. It's something that should happen. Then he needs to not provide them a common rallying point when he does silly things. What the Democrats would prefer to do is rally around, we hate Trump. And that's what you're seeing from Andrew Cuomo. He says, lack of a plan is called Trump. The, The absolute arrogance of Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, suggesting that Trump's activities during COVID-19 are really the problem when his state got walloped. Actually, this is Chris, his brother, sorry, his idiot brother, who has helped push the the propaganda here. Here's idiot brother Chris talking about how a lack of a plan is called Trump, as opposed to his brother, who he was having on the air and holding up giant fake nasal swabs. Solid stuff here from Chris Cuomo. Help is not coming from on high. Proof? There's no plan for better testing. I hear you all over this country saying you can't get results fast enough. I know there's no plan for it to get better. There's no plan to help us reopen schools. And there is a reason for this inaction. 
and it has a name, Trump. Really? Your brother's the governor of New York. What's his plan? Seriously, what's his plan? 33,000 people died in that state. And by the way, the Washington Post is now saying what we should do is shut down the entire country for months on end in the hope that this will bring the coronavirus infections down to zero. And then we can test and trace everybody in a country of 330 million people, ignoring the fact that what we are seeing in Europe is spikes again in a huge number of countries that initially brought the cases down near zero. Israel had the cases down near zero. They had a spike. They had to shut down again. Okay, so that, that is not really a solution either. The bottom line is that there aren't a lot of good solutions here other than the stuff that we already know tends to reduce transmission, namely the, the socially distance and the, and the mask wearing. The idea of going into a full-scale national... The Washington Post is now encouraging people, by the way. Like, they would like to see that if you are COVID positive, that you would be forced to stay in a hotel. That the government would set up hotels for you and you would be forced to stay there by law. Like, they say this in a Washington Post editorial today. They, they don't explicitly say that they want you forced into it. They say, we'll set up hotels for people who want to go. Yeah, sure, because if I get COVID, what I def- desperately want to do is go to a hotel with a bunch of other people with COVID. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, but in any case, Trump, you know, has to be beware of making boo-boos on COVID. That, that re- COVID has really hurt his re-election chances. Look at the polls. When COVID started, his re-elect chances went from basically 50-50 or 55-45 down to about 20%, which means don't make boo-boos that make it look like you are not on solid footing. Which is why yesterday when the president decided to retweet a Breitbart video, and, and the, it was a video of some frontline doctors, they call themselves America's frontline doctors, and they're speaking, it looks like at the White House, talking about how hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine was a cure, like literally a cure. And then he was retweeting things that, that said in the video, like implying that Anthony Fauci was bad at his job and, and he's at fault for all of this. That's not the kind of stuff that is going to make people feel a sense of durability and a sense of solidity in a time where everything feels chaotic. So Trump retweeted this. The, the tweet also included, again, ripping on Fauci, which is like the media have been begging for Trump to go right at Fauci for literally months, for months, right? which is bad for the country and bad for Trump. The reason that they've been pushing this is because they want this to be a battle between Fauci, who's become sort of hero of the resistance simply because Trump and he seem to be at odds. They, they want that battle. They want it to look like Trump versus the science. So Trump tweets this stuff out by the way, that, that Houston doctor, she's now being ripped up and down because apparently she has made some claims about alien DNA and she has made claims about demon sperm and such. It's not great stuff. It's not great stuff, right? She said, this, nobody needs to get sick. This virus has a cure. And she said, you don't need a mask. There is a cure. So none of that is, is really based in, in any sort of science. But in any case, Anthony Fauci then went on TV and defended himself from Trump saying, that basically he's bad at his job. Here was Fauci, and now you got exactly what the media wanted, that Fauci versus Trump battle. This is not good for Trump. For folks who support Trump, if you think that him battling openly with his own his own guy, right? I mean, Fauci is the guy he put out front in the first place. It ain't a good look. He's been doing this with every official in his administration for a long time. He did it with Jeff Sessions. He did it with his own chief of staff for a while. It, like it, It's a frequent thing, but when it looks like that guy stands for science and you don't, that's a bad look for you, especially because, again, Trump's been more focused over the last week. So set the Simpsons day since work accident counter back to zero here. Here's Anthony Fauci going at Trump. I don't tweet. I don't I don't even read them. So I, I don't really want to go there. I just will continue to do my job no matter what comes out, because I think it's very important. We're in the middle of a crisis with regard to an epidemic, a pandemic. This is what I do. This is what I've been trained for my entire professional life, and I'll continue to do it. To the charge you've been misleading the American public? I have not been misleading the American public under any circumstances. Okay, so obviously this is this sort of conflict is bad for Trump. If you want Trump reelected, this is bad stuff. Meanwhile, Twitter has decided they're going to ban anybody who retweets that video. Right? So that video comes out. I don't think that that video is supported by the best available science. I think that, that the lady in the video is making some pretty extraordinary claims that don't seem to be based, like the idea that it's a cure does not seem to be real reality. Donald Trump Jr. retweeted that particular video. He tweeted, this is a must-watch, so different from the narrative everyone is running with. Twitter then suspended him. Twitter suspended, I mean, and this, this is insane. Twitter suspended him, saying that under their policies, they violated the policy on spreading misleading and potentially harmful information related to COVID-19. Okay, that policy is wildly overbroad. That policy is really stupid. The reason that it's wildly overbroad is because if you had tweeted back in March that people should wear masks, you would have been in contradiction to the CDC and Fauci, and the WHO. The thing about science is that until the science is quote-unquote settled, you actually don't know whether the science is settled. And the studies on hydroxychloroquine, again, they're pretty mixed, right? There's some that say that it's somewhat effective. There's some that say that it is not at all effective. The original studies were completely debunked. The ones that said that it was going to kill you of a heart attack, those those completely fell apart. They just weren't real. 
Okay, so, but the bottom line is that politically speaking, for Trump, the biggest thing that he can do right now to push for his own victory is to force the liberals to repudiate the radical left instead of centering on him and his particular foibles. Again, set the counter back to zero because that is not what he did today. That Keep the man off of Twitter. For the love of God, keep the man off of Twitter for five seconds if you actually want him reelected. All right, we'll be back here a little bit later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. You're listening to The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz, Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. The Trump campaign does a 180 in their attacks on Biden. DHS rounds up hundreds of anarchists. And Joe Rogan gets video games wrong. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.